Let's take our Bibles this morning, and we are continuing in our little series through the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, and we left off with the last verse of chapter 4 last Sunday, so you know what we're going to pick up this morning, and that is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, and we'll go through the first 11 verses of this chapter. Now, when I became a believer, I was uh, about 19 or 20 years old at the University of Wisconsin-Stout. God used a young man in my life from Wausau named Zach. And I think Zach was one of the first persons that I ever observed who was my age and not weird that actually followed Jesus. Uh, he actually set a model for me. He, he taught me what the scriptures said. But another thing I appreciated about Zach was he, he was there to answer any questions I had related to the Bible. If you've been following along with us through the series of 1 Thessalonians, then you remember that Paul, Silas, and Timothy in Acts 17 went into the city of Thessalonica and for three consecutive Sabbaths shared the message of Jesus. The scripture says they reasoned from the scriptures. They explained and proved that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And when they did this for three consecutive Sabbath days, there were some that became followers of Jesus. And we see this pattern throughout the first four chapters of 1 Thessalonians, where they not only instructed, but they also modeled for them what a Christian life looked like being lived out. But over last week, as well as this week, what we are going to see is that they are available to answer questions that these new Christians have. Now, last week, we concluded chapter 4, and these new Christians there in Thessalonica had some questions that related to Jesus' second coming. Most specifically, they would say, we have some loved ones that have died. What is going to happen to them when Jesus returns for the second time? Are they going to miss out on the blessings of Jesus' second coming? So Paul addresses that in the last verses of chapter 4. A second question is posed, and this is what Paul is going to be addressing this morning in the first 11 verses of chapter 5. It is relating not to the second coming of Christ, but to something the Bible refers to as the day of the Lord. This is the judgment of Christ. And these new Christians were asking, what is going to take place on this day of judgment? Is this something that we ought to be afraid of? Or how is it that we should live in preparation for this day of reckoning? Well, with that in mind, now let's look at the first 11 verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now concerning... The times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. 
But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep, as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Father, we pray that you would take this holy word that is inspired and help us to understand what it says to the original hearer and then help us to apply it then to to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I think there are a lot of teachings or doctrines that we hold dear as a church. I think we love the teaching of creation. As we turn a corner, spring and into summer, Wisconsin is a fantastic place to be. We've already seen our grass turn green. Many of the trees have already budded. It won't be long and we'll be seeing these beautiful deer out in the fields. And we're like, yes, God created that. And, and it can actually drive us to worship. We, we appreciate the doctrine of inspiration of the scriptures. That every word in the Bible is breathed out by God. Therefore, it is trustworthy. We appreciate, during Christmas time, the doctrine of the virgin birth. Oh, isn't it wonderful to think of Jesus as a cuddly little baby and that God loved us so much that he sent his own son to to dwell among us, to live among us, and then ultimately to die on the cross for us. And so as a church, we value Jesus' substitutionary death, his burial, his his resurrection. We, We stand on that as the gospel message. But there are other doctrines that are still just as true as everything else that we've covered, but they are a little bit harder for us to swallow. And one of them is is the judgment of God. This teaching of the day of the Lord, that there will come a time where Jesus will judge all men and women on their sinful hearts. Let's look at this passage and just review it a little bit together. Number one, as we look at verse one, it says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The first thing he says to this church related to the day of the Lord is, I'm not going to give you a specific time when this will take place because Paul does not know it. He's saying, I don't need to tell you this. We've already covered this when I was with you there in Thessalonica. Acts chapter 1, verse 7, just before Jesus was ready to ascend, he said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. As we think about the day of the Lord, I think it was John MacArthur that said something like this, in order to be prepared for the day of judgment, one does not need to know what day it is, rather 
they must anticipate that day, that there will come a day of judgment, of justice. And is there not an instinct within us brought on by being made in the image of God that that we love to see justice? So as we think about coming up on the first anniversary of of that that brutal death there in Minneapolis of George Floyd, of we, we, we said that is not right. There ought to be justice upon that. As we hear about a, a child in a womb that is not given the, the, the freedom to live, we say there is something wrong with that. Justice must prevail. As we hear about child abuse or government corruption, we say, when will justice be done? That is an instinct I think we get from our God. And so we know within us that there ought to be a day of justice when all the sin will ultimately be judged. Another question that's posed in these couple of verses here is, are people going to be anticipating this day of the Lord? Look at what it says there in verse 3. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. It's as if the people whom a society looks for to tell them the truth, the prophets, the preachers, instead of saying that God indeed is holy, he is righteous, he is just, and he will judge your sins, instead of proclaiming the truth, They say, no, listen, there's peace, there's security, all is well. You you do not need to fear God. All is okay. Don't worry about being judged for your sins. If you have an outline in your bulletin, the first statement here is judgment will occur on the day of the Lord. You see it there in verse 3. It says, then sudden destruction will come upon them. This word destruction is not annihilation. It's not like just smacking someone down and burning them up and they cease to be. Rather, this word destruction has to, has to speak about an absence of God's presence, an absence of God's blessing on their life. And we can read about that in other Old Testament passages. This phrase, day of the Lord, takes place 20 different times in the Old Testament. In your outline, you see Joel 2, where it says, God, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. This will be a horrible day. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 5, Because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be reveled. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning to hear about this day of the Lord, this this horrible day of God's judgment upon people? A second thing we see in this passage is that the day of the Lord will be sudden and unavoidable. So there's two different metaphors that we see here in verse 2. The first metaphor is the word thief. 
For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now the word thief, this picture that is provided here, we remember that a thief relies on the element of surprise. If a thief is going to break into your house this evening, he or she is not going to text you and say, hey, I I just want to let you know I plan on coming between 1 and 1.15 tonight. I plan on going through the back door. I'll crack a window there. I'll reach in and unlock the door. And then after that, I plan on making my way to the safe where you have some of the valuables, your, your cash there. After the safe, then I'm going to go to your jewelry box. I should be done by 1.20, okay? I'm just letting you know that is not how a thief works. A thief relies on the element of surprise. Jesus related to this in Matthew 24, verses 42 through 44, said, Stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had not known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So the first metaphor is that of a thief. There's a second metaphor we see in verse 3, and it's that of labor pains coming upon a pregnant woman. Do you see it there? As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. So what is this referring to, and how does this relate to the day of the Lord? Now, while we have had some children, I do not have any personal experience in their delivery, right? But I know this in observing my wife, that once her water broke and once she began to go in labor, there is no turning back. In fact, look at the last part of verse 3. They will not escape. If a mom who is pregnant has her water break and she just begins to go into labor, she cannot push the pause and say, wait, my husband is out of town. This isn't what we had according to plan. I was supposed to be able to call my mother. She was going to come over and watch the children as we go up to the hospital. I'm going to push pause and I want to reschedule this labor for tomorrow because then it will work better for me. No. When a woman goes into labor, it is unavoidable. They will have to see it through. And this is the point that Paul is making. Not only is the day of the Lord sudden, but you will not be able to escape. That's what it says there. These people, the the, the sinners of the world, will not, it is sure, they will not be able to escape. So in light of this, there's two different ways that we can respond to this truth, this doctrine that the day of the Lord is coming. And that's what we see in verses 4 through 11. There are two ways to prepare for the day of the Lord. In fact, as we look at these next several verses, it's as if there's two different types of people. There's the people of the darkness. These are people that uh, are in sin, and they will not be prepared for the day of the Lord. And then there are people, the children of light, whom God has changed because Jesus is light. And when they come, they will not need to fear this day of the Lord. So here's, here's the first way. There are two ways to prepare for the day of the Lord. One way is to ignore and defy. Look what it says here in verses 4 and then following. But you are not in darkness, brothers, 
For that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. So one way to respond to this truth that there will be a day of reckoning, a day in which Jesus will judge all the sins of men and women, is to just ignore it. And that's the metaphor of sleeping. Like, I'm just not going to be bothered by that. Now, when you think about sleep, there's kind of two different ways that I think of sleep. One is intentional. Man, after a long trip, after a long, hard day, you're like, I've got to get after sleep tonight because I've got a big day tomorrow. But there's another kind of sleep that just kind of creeps up on you, isn't there? I'm thinking of our trip, and, and we had flown from one airplane to another, one airport to another, and, and we didn't sleep much. We went through the evening, and then we finally arrived in Zigashaw, and we took a, a truck from, from Zigashaw to Ellikin, which was about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And, and uh, my older son, he, he, he just kind of fell asleep there in the back. And I don't blame him. I kind of envied that he was able to do that. But he just would just kind of drift off and hit me and hit the back window. And, and, and that's just kind of what happens, isn't it? We can, we can do that. It's not that we're like deliberate saying, hey, the day of the Lord might be coming. But I, I just, I'm just indifferent towards it. But then there is also not just indifference, but the metaphor of drunk is deliberate defiance. It's like, yeah, the day of the Lord might be coming, but I don't care. I, I'm going to live my life the way I want. And if, and if that means I'm under the judgment of God, well, at least I had fun during my life. I was thinking of that, that thought, and I couldn't help but think of a classic rock song that as a kid that I'd heard. And at the time, it was just alarming that someone would actually sing it. But now it's kind of mainstream. Living easy, living free, season ticket on a one-way ride. Asking nothing, leave me be, taking everything in my stride. Don't need a reason, don't need a rhyme, ain't nothing that I'd rather do. Going down, party time, my friends are going to be there too. Do you know the chorus? I'm on a highway to hell. I'm on a highway to hell. No stop signs, no speed limit. Nobody's going to slow me down like a wheel, going to spin it. Nobody's going to mess me around. Hey, Satan, paying my dues, playing in a rocking band. Hey, Mama, look at me. I'm on my way to the promised land. I'm on a highway to hell. Highway to hell. And so there is this truth. Yes, I believe God. I believe there's a judgment. I believe in sin. I believe they're in hell. But I don't care. I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to party. But they will care. ACDC will care when they face their death or when they face the day of the Lord, the judgment of God. So there is one way. The day of the Lord, this teaching goes out. And and it's not the only place in the scriptures where a teaching went out, a word of warning that the judgment of God is coming. And people can turn their backs and just say, I don't want to listen to it or I defy what is being said. Can you remember Noah? Jesus said in Matthew 24, he says, For as we were in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, 
soul will be the coming of the Son of Man. The day of the Lord is coming. A day of judgment is coming. And there will be some that just ignore it. There will be some that defy it. But that is not the path that you and I are to have. There is a second alternative to preparing for it. It is to be alert and prepared. If you are a child of God this morning and viewing online or here in person, you are no longer a children of darkness. You are no longer a children of the night. Rather, you are a child of light. In the same way that if you were to have some company that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be joining you at your home, you would prepare for that. I think it was late March, my brother in Wyoming said, hey, my family would like to come and visit you, Chad, and, and, and the family. He said, okay, let's do that. So since we knew he was coming, we did our best to get our house in order. We, we cleaned up some things. We made sure we had enough food. We, we sat down with our boys like we often will do and say, what will it look like to, to be a great host this time? Let's take some time to pray. Let's be a blessing to, to your uncle as and your aunt, and and your cousins, and let's greet them, and let's have something for them to do while they are here. In the same way, we ought to be thinking that Jesus is coming. There will be a day of judgment. We need to live inside of that. And, And we're not in darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Paul wrote in Colossians 1 that Jesus has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom as beloved Son. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. And 1 John 1 7 says, Walk in the light as he is in the light. And so since we have been changed from darkness changed from sin, and we are now followers of Jesus, we are to wait and anticipate the day of the Lord. Let's look at these again here in verse 5. It says, you are children of the light, children of the day. You're not of the darkness, so let us not sleep. So instead of sleeping, we are to be alert. We are to be awake. We are to have our eyes in the scriptures interpreting the days around us in light of the truth that comes from the pages of this Bible. In addition to that, we're not to be drunk. The opposite of that is we are to be sober, self-controlled, balanced, calm, steady, have our priorities in place. And as, as Christians, we do not need to fear the day of the Lord, but we can fear it for others. A few summers ago, it was a real hot, hot, muggy night. It was kind of like yesterday was, or the last few days. And I can remember our family was down in the basement. We were watching a movie. I think it was a Friday night. And my phone and my wife's phone just began to explode with, with texts and with phone calls. And we're like, what in the world is going on? And we weren't watching the news. We weren't, certainly weren't watching the weather. And evidently, some tornadoes were coming through our area. And loved ones, our family, our friends were saying, hey, we're looking at the radar and it looks like there's a tornado and it's like coming right towards your house. And even though we were comfortable and even though we were sitting down watching a movie that we had liked, we were not at all offended that someone was trying to save our lives and save our house, right? 
because we thought destruction was coming. As it turned out, God had mercy, and that tornado went away or it never surfaced or never touched down and we never had that problem. But in the same way that there's destruction that comes from a tornado, much more severe than that is the day of the Lord. And so we have compassion on those who are not ready for that day of the Lord. So we stay sober, we stay awake, but you'll also say we see this as battle. Look with me again at verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. We see these days, as we are waiting for the day of the Lord, as wartime days, battle days, so much so that we are to take on armor. We take on a breastplate. And what does a breastplate cover? The vital organs, right? Namely, the heart. And so we are to be vigilant to guard our heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. For from it flows life, the springs of life. Not only this, this breastplate that covers our heart, but you also see a helmet of truth. And that covers our mind and the thoughts that we entertain during this time in which we wait for the day of the Lord that that could happen during our lifetime. And so we are to to consider what are the thoughts that are going through our mind. You know, before I I end this, I think there's a parallel passage that could be helpful for us that provide a little more uh, specifics of what it might look like to live in light as we await for the day of the Lord. Look with me at Romans chapter 13. Look to the left. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. I just want you to look at a few verses there with me. Romans 13. And let's look at 12, 13, and 14. Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 12. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Verse 13, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Don't get caught up in those people that are asleep at this time, that are like drunken, just entertaining sinful passions right now. Don't get caught up with them. So the question for us as we conclude this portion of scriptures is do Christians really need to fear the day of the Lord? And the answer to that is found in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. It says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Judgment will come on the day of the Lord. But what marks Christians is that they have understood that the wrath of God, the judgment of God, has gone out on another person on their behalf. And instead of it going out on me for all of my sins, Jesus took the wrath of God, the judgment of God, upon himself on the cross. 
And so if you are a Christian today and you've placed your faith in what Jesus has done, you've repented of your sins, you do not need to fear the day of the Lord. Because the wrath of God is went out on Jesus rather than you. It's like this. If the day of the Lord is the great exam that examines all of our hearts, all of us will find that we have sinned and we have one big fat F. Because all of us have walked in darkness. We have all turned our back on God. And we all take that final exam. We all fail. But Jesus, in his mercy and love towards us, has taken the same exam and says he's got 100%. He has never failed. He has always obeyed the Father. His heart is pure. And he gives us the results of his test. He received the results of our test. And so we can take that test with the A and say, Jesus has applied the righteousness that comes from this test to my heart so that I may have forgiveness and do not need to fear the day of the Lord. Jesus will come back to take his church, to take his Christians. The day of the Lord is for those who have never trusted Christ. What are we to do with this truth? Since Jesus took God's just wrath, Christians do not need to fear the day of the Lord. And if you look at verse 11, here's the application then. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Believers are to equip one another with this truth. You've been forgiven of your sins. You don't need to answer for the judgment of that sin. There may be consequences that you'll have to make right because of your sins, but ultimately Jesus has received the consequences of your sin by dying on the cross. This ought to be an encouragement to you, new Christians there in Thessalonica, or to us today. You are able to walk in the freedom of knowing that you have been forgiven. Jesus has delivered, or Jesus has received the blow that the Father delivered onto him because of our sin. So this day of the Lord is not a threat, but it is a word of encouragement to us. Your sins have been accounted for. Now live in this freedom. So as we close this out this morning, the day of the Lord is true. It is a teaching that is not the most comfortable to talk about, but it is here in the scriptures. And there are two ways to respond to it, loved ones. One, you can ignore that it's going to take place. And my fear this morning is that there are many that are listening to me, either in person or online, that are saying, yeah, that might be true, but, but I'm not going to worry about it. You're indifferent towards the day of the Lord. Or maybe worse, you're defying that it's going to happen and you are living in obvious rebellion against God. That is a path that you can choose to go down. But I would warn you that it is a day of wrath for you. There is a second path. There's a second way that we can live in light of the day of the Lord. And that is to know that God's wrath has been poured out upon Jesus so that you would not need to receive it. So I would urge you today to say, Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. 
I want to receive this forgiveness, this grace that we have sung about today. I want to live for you. I want to live as a children of the light. I I want to live alert. I want to live a sober life anticipating that Jesus will return. I want to live in, in order to warn people that the judgment is coming, that they would not need to be under the wrath of God. Let's pray together as Rod comes and plays a a song of invitation as the music team comes as well. Would you think of these words? Father, as we move away now from this passage and consider, okay, what am I going to do with that? First, I say thank you for a warning. And and may we really take some time to study what this means. It's because you are holy and just, you will punish sin. And may there be some trembling that goes on. And maybe not just see you as a, a loving and gracious God, and that is certainly true. But may we also understand your holiness and tremble at that. And I pray that trembling this morning would lead people to repentance, to to say, I need to be forgiven of my sins. I'm I'm under that. May we not ignore this coming judgment or just defy it. I don't really care. I'm going to live my life. Instead, may we see that love that was shown through Jesus. And an invitation that's being extended today to say, you don't have to go down that path anymore. Wake up. Be sober. Receive the forgiveness that has been offered to you through Jesus. Welcome it. Open your life to him in a relationship with him. And then may may those Christians here say, I can't fall asleep here. These are urgent days. I need to be out sober-minded, alert to be able to share this truth with others in my neighborhood, in my workplace, my friends, the barbecues, wherever God wants me to. Help me in love to be able to share this truth with others.